Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Today is the day. Today is the day. (laughs) We've been in a series since the first week in January titled The Divine Narrative. And the central theme to that series is that God is telling one story. As crazy as it seems, 66 chapters in the in the Bible, multiple authors, multiple cultures, centuries of time, and yet God is constantly telling one story. And God is constantly, not only in the stories, but to us, asking us to trust the story that he's telling. If we'll trust the story, we will find life. For those uh, of you who have been with us for the last three months of that series, you may be thinking we're taking a break for Easter. (laughs) Well, nothing could be further from the truth because today is the culmination, the high point of that story. Uh, that, that is the message of today. Everything, in, everything told in the Old Testament leads up to this day. Everything in the New Testament, everything since the time of Jesus is only possible because of this day. Since the fall of man in Genesis 3... The story has revolved in some ways around a clash of two kingdoms. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of life versus the kingdom of death. Today, (laughs) you might ask, well, who's... I think all the Old Testament particularly keep thinking, well, is this ever going to work out? Is the kingdom... Of God ever going to prevail? Well, today we celebrate the victory of the kingdom of God. That's what this day is about. You can go ahead and clap if you'd like because uh, (laughs) in some ways it was a long, long time coming. Uh, I would also suggest that the three most amazing, incredible events in human history all revolved around one person, the person of Jesus. Uh, One would be the incarnation, the incredible, astounding thought that God would somehow squeeze himself into human form. The God that formed everything would become human. The word becomes flesh, John said. And as John, the Phillips Bible says, and moves into the neighborhood, God wants to be with us. God is, if, if there's one theme, one of those common threads in the story is that God wants a relationship with us, and he'll do whatever it takes to have that relationship. Well, that's the incarnation. Then there's the crucifixion, the astounding thought that Jesus, the ruler of the universe, the one who made and created everything, would submit to torture and death to free us from slavery to sin, to free us to live. Uh, Astounding story. Uh, I would suggest that... (laughs) that that becomes a centerpiece of our gospel. Uh, The idea that Jesus died on the cross, if you just believe that, accept that, that you can have new life. It's interesting that most of the time you hear the gospel presented in any kind of formal way, the resurrection is almost never a part of it. And yet, the cross is meaningless without the resurrection. The gospel is in no way complete without the resurrection. Uh, 
Let me uh, read a couple of verses. This is Paul in Corinthians. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, even with the crucifixion. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people most to be pitied. That's, a, that's pretty strong words. But that is what the resurrection is about. Uh, have we really thought that much about what the resurrection means to the story and to us personally? He goes on in the same chapter in Corinthians. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Uh, that that's astounding. You may have heard it said that Jesus was the only person born whose destiny, whose purpose was to die. That death was his reason for living. But I would suggest to you that <laughs> living was his reason to die. That, that you can't have one without the other. That it's full circle. Yes, he died to free us from sin. But he rose again that we might in, uh, engage in that, that we might experience the resurrection. That's the point of today. Uh, well, here's the crazy thing to me is no one saw it coming. This is a part of that story that God's been hinting about f- for centuries, and yet nobody sees it coming. They were taken totally by surprise. Let's look at the gospel account and just kind of read some of what's happening between Friday and, and Sunday. Because Friday they took Jesus off the cross and they hurriedly buried him. They didn't have time to properly prepare him for his burial. And then Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night, they are huddled together in great fear. They're not looking for a risen Jesus. They're worrying, when, when are they going to come get us? When is our life going to end? They looked at Jesus' death as kind of the end of the story. The kingdom of death has won. The kingdom of Satan has won. He's dead. They didn't see what was going to have to happen. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's look at the Gospels. We're going to go back and forth between Luke and John, but Luke 24 says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices that they'd prepared and went to the tomb. Does that sound like somebody looking... For a risen Jesus, no. They were going there to finish the job of preparing Jesus to be buried for his death. They didn't see it coming. Well, Jesus, or Jesus, Mary sees the empty tomb, sees that Jesus is not there, and she runs back. Here's what it says. Uh, um, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. <laughs> Again, that's, that's their only, where's his body? We need, to, we need to see him again. Well, <clears throat> the response, Luke 24, <coughs> but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So Peter, even seeing the empty tomb, seeing the linens, just went away wondering what happened. Then the next verse, or next phrase, John 20, 
Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. But notice what it says next. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. (laughs) Well, those two disciples went back to tell the rest of them what they'd experienced. Mary is still there. Mary had followed Peter and John to the tomb. And they took off, and she's still there, distraught, crying, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And here's her account, John 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but, he, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. I, w- I want to have a little side note here, just this scene. It's kind of God is recreating the garden scene. Mary sees Jesus for the first time, doesn't recognize him, but sees him as a, a garden. I wonder if the author is trying to tell us that this is, in a sense, Jesus risen from the dead. He's recreating creation. He's starting over, and just like he did in the first creation, it's very good. This is life eternal. This is meant to be a relationship began in a garden, and he's doing it again. I love that thought, that image. But he goes on. Jesus said to her, Mary... She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. (laughs) Well, I love that. I love that whole scene. But what's incredible is, who did Jesus appear to? He could have appeared to Peter or John when they came. But he didn't. I mean, I just I, food for thought. I want you to think about that. He was purposeful. He decided that he was going to reveal himself first to Mary, and he told Mary, "I want you to be the first one to tell of the story of the risen Jesus." Uh, and she does. They don't believe her, but I think that tells us something about God. It tells us something about Jesus that he would choose Mary to be the one to carry the news. Uh, well. Again, they didn't know about it. They didn't see it coming. Total surprise. Even though Jesus had told them several times. If you knew that, but there's at least three times in the Gospels, different times where Jesus was telling them what had to happen. I'll read the one from uh, Matthew 16. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So he told them ahead of time. But I'm sure they just couldn't take it, couldn't wrap their mind around it. They couldn't take it literally. They thought he was just saying like they imagined, well, yeah, you're going to rise and go to the Father. They didn't know that, no, I wanna, I'm going to return to life. You'll see me, you'll touch me, you'll experience me. They did not see that coming. Um, <laughs> The next verse after that, after he tells them what's going to happen, 
Peter's response. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. They just could not. No, no, you can't die. This, that would be victory for the kingdom of Satan. You can't die. What does Jesus say right after that to, to, to Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I think he's trying to say, no, that's, Satan thinks victory is in death. But I'm telling you, I have to die in order for victory to be made in rising again. That's where the victory is won. Um, so, <clears throat> have you, uh, how many of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia? A little dated now. Less people have read it. If you haven't, I just I recommend you do. It's a great allegory, analogy, metaphor, whatever right term is. But C.S. Lewis writes this great series of books. The first one is called The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Revolves around four children, two guys and two girls that end up going to this magical distant place called Narnia. And they meet a lion whose name is Aslan. Aslan is representative of Jesus. And they have, I mean, it's kind of like looking at the Gospels through a whole different lens. But it's fascinating. Well, it, the, the first book, The Lion, Witch, of the Wardrobe, concludes on this same theme, this same end of the week of Jesus' life, in this time, Aslan's life. The witch, there's a witch that controls this kingdom, that controls life and death. Uh, and uh, she finally has Aslan seized and arrested, tortured, shaved off his mane, and sacrificed on this stone table. Stabbed and the blood runs out and he's clearly dead. And everybody flees the scene except for the two girls, Lucy and Susan, remain and they're just hovered over his body. They're just distraught, wondering what's happened to Aslan. Finally, they just say, well, it's over. There's nothing more to be done. He's dead. And they walk away from the platform, from the stone table. And here's where I want to read the rest of the story. At that moment, they heard from behind them a loud noise. (laughs) I can't get through a children's book on this story without getting emotional. Um, But a great cracking, deafening noise as if a giant had broken a giant's plate. The stone table was broken into two pieces by a great crack that ran down it from end to end. And there was no Aslan. Who's done it? cried Susan. What does it mean? Is it more magic? Yes, a voice thundered from behind them. It is more magic. They looked around. They are shining in the sunrise, larger than they had ever seen him before, shaking his mane, for it has apparently grown back. Stood Aslan. Oh, Aslan, cried both the children, staring up at him, almost as frightened as they were glad. But what does it all mean, asked Susan, when they were somewhat calmer. It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little farther back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there's a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would stop 
or we start moving backwards. <laughs> I love how C.S. Lewis kind of captures that. There's this hidden mystery that no one knew. Even the enemy didn't know. The enemy thought, my victory is won. I got him crucified. That ends the story. He didn't know that the resurrection would happen to defeat him. I love that picture. I love that. And the, the disciples are experiencing that in the Gospels. Let's, let's continue the narration from that, from that point. Mary goes back and tells the disciples they don't believe her. And then the whole day goes on. <laughs> like, where's Jesus? Why, why isn't he there? But he's not. And uh, finally that night, he appears there again in fear still, even though they kind of have a hint maybe Jesus is okay. But they, uh, they're behind closed doors, and Jesus appears. Now they've experienced the risen Jesus. They've seen him. And they worship him and they believe. Uh, but Thomas, one, the one disciple, wasn't with them. And he, he hears about it probably the next day and says, well, hey, I'll only believe if, if I can see the holes in his hands and his feet. And if I can put my hand in his side, then I'll believe. And then eight days later, what appointments does he have? Where, where's he at? But eight days later, he shows up again in the same room. And Peter's just overcome and falls to his knees, worships him. It's my God. Jesus' response, you've seen me and you believe, but blessed are those who haven't seen me and still believe. I think he's talking about us. Uh, but we still, we struggle. They struggled with, is this possible? He's actually God in the flesh again. He's conquered death. That changes the narrative completely. There is no more kingdom of death. There's no more kingdom of Satan. Uh, well, um, <clears throat> what happens after that? Forty more days go by. Again, very few accounts in the Gospels. Think about it, 40 days. He shows up a few times. Shows up, it says, on one time to 500 of his disciples. But it didn't make it sound like he was hanging out with them every day. He just appeared. There was one story where he's at the lake finds the disciples fishing and encounters them and restores Peter. That was a big scene. And then at the end, 40 days goes by, and now he's going to ascend to the Father. Uh, he gathers the disciples, and which means men and women, a bunch of disciples around him at the Mount of Olives. And just then he gives them the Great Commission. Uh, all authority has been given to me. Go, share the story. Uh, <laughs> love that. And here's what it says just before that, though. Matthew 28. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I'm sorry. That must be a misprint. Nope, they, uh, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How in the world is that possible? They lived with Jesus day in, day out for three years. They saw him arrested. He told them all. And then... They see him. They've experienced the risen Jesus. And he's about to ascend to the Father. Some still doubt it. I love that that's in there. I think what the author's telling us is there's room for doubt in your relationship with Jesus. If you doubt, if you're struggling with, you know, I, I've, I struggle to follow Jesus sometimes. Things happen in my life and I doubt whether this is true. Uh, you're in good company. They experienced that, and they still experienced it, even, even when he rose from the dead and he ascended. 
They still doubt it. Uh, I, I love that. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that be a barrier for you entering into your relationship with Jesus. Trust him. Trust the story. He will reveal himself in the, in the time that he needs to. Um, that's the lesson I, I get out of that. Well, then he says, just about when he's about to ascend, he says, now go back to Jerusalem and st- stay put. Stay there. Don't do anything. Interesting. They didn't know for how long. They just <laughs> Anyway, it says this in uh, Acts 1. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses then in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Oh, I love that. He's, uh, there's, something's missing here. Um, <laughs> the last step, that don't do anything until the Spirit comes on you. Because anything you do now is kind of pointless because it doesn't involve me. Unless I'm in you, unless you're in relationship with me and I'm in you, what you do doesn't mean that much. Uh, he, he said kind of a similar idea to uh, Nicodemus in John 3. He said this, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at this saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And Nicodemus says, how can this be? But I think part of Jesus' message is, hey, flesh gives birth to flesh. The things you do out of your own effort, your own life without being connected to me, they don't amount to much. They don't have any of that lasting value. They aren't eternal. But when, you're, when you have the Holy Spirit, that's when life begins. And that begins as we commit ourselves to him. Um, well... <clears throat> The uh, goal of this message isn't to get you to believe in the resurrection (laughs) or even to believe in eternal life. Uh, The goal of this message is that we all would experience the resurrection life, that we'd live a resurrection life. That would be my, my goal. I believe it's possible to believe in Jesus. It's possible to believe everything he did, to believe that he died, to believe that even in the resurrection without experiencing the resurrection. Because that takes a response. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what's missing, you might say? Well, again, that 10 days while they waited, the Holy Spirit was uh, given to the disciples, again, a large number. And Peter finally gets up. Well, they're transformed at that point. They went from hiding in seclusion in Jerusalem to now we've got to share this message. But they weren't doing it on their own. The Holy Spirit did it in them. Um, Peter gives a the first gospel message, if you will, 3,000 people respond. Uh, but he gives this message and he says this in Acts 2.32. Uh, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out on what you now see and hear. That's what he declared to the crowd at the end of his sermon. But that's not the end of the story because the next thing happens. The crowd says in Acts 2 again, brothers, what shall we do? They said, I I believe everything you're telling me. Now what do we do? Jesus replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What shall we do? Living a resurrected life begins with response. It's not enough to believe all of what we hear about Jesus. We have to respond. Um, So I'll just ask the question, how many of you have experienced Jesus? How many of you have actually committed yourself to follow this Jesus, to depend on him, to trust him with your life, to trust the story, not just to believe it? Um, (laughs) It all comes down to relationship. It would be a mistake. It would be, I'd be sadly disappointed if, uh, if you left today only believing the resurrection without experiencing it, without living it. Don't just live for Jesus. That would be living out of your flesh. Live with Jesus. Live in relationship with Jesus. Have his spirit in you to give you the power to live what he has created you to live for. Um, with... If that is you, I would, I would invite you to consider doing that today. There may be some out here that have gone to church. Maybe there was a time where you said, yeah, I believe that. I, I believe everything you're telling me. Maybe you're here today going, reminded, yes, the resurrection happened. I believe that. It's a promise. But maybe you haven't embraced that. Maybe you haven't actually committed yourself to do that. Uh, Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Somehow dying to yourself. I've been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the resurrection life. Living a new life committed to him, following him uh, because of what he's done. Well, again, if that's you, I would just uh, invite you to respond. We're not going to have you raise hands or do anything. But if, if that's you today, don't miss this opportunity. I can think of no better day to live, start living the resurrection life than on Easter Sunday. You can mark that and say, that's where it became real to me. That's where I went from believing Jesus to actually embracing Jesus. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.